Alright, welcome back to the Light Side F1 podcast. I'm your host Patrick, that's Claire, that's Jakob, and today we're talking about Saudi Arabia. Uh, your guys' initial impressions on the race. Jakob? Um, it was boring. I thought I expected a little more. Um, but I think overall, a little boring compared to the last two races, last races here at Saudi Arabia, and um, could have been better. Clear. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it did get a little boring seeing Max just floor past everyone down the straights with the DRS. After a while, I was like, okay, this is not, it's not even a fight for anyone. You know, they're just like, who's, everyone's like, Red Bull's not our fight. So whose fight is it? <laughs> no one's. That's like so confusing to me. It's like, so what are you just, fo- foregone conclusion that no one's going to even fight them? It's crazy. I mean, it's the same but, as yeah. Mercedes was. It's a reminiscent I mean, of a time sort of. to dominate this sport. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like this year feels like it's going to be a replication of the 2016 Mercedes. Like, just winning, yeah. what is in essence every race of the year, max out the podiums. I mean, unless both the drivers have a collision, which I severely doubt, it's just going to be like them fighting back and forth. Um,. What is your rating out of 10? For the race? Or five. Five. Uh, for the race, I'd give it six, seven, maybe seven. Really? I thought you said it was boring. You gave it a seven? I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the, like some of the wheel to wheel action that we saw with the McLaren guys. and. Um, uh, sure, uh, when they're fighting for last place. <laughs> hey, man. Still I did not action. enjoy that. Oh my god. I guess Piastri did get some much needed experience. Yeah, he I mean, got a full race under him finally, so uh, I guess that's a good point for the McLarens. Uh they managed to finish the entire race. They didn't have any issues with having to constantly um pit stop every ten laps on their second. Sure, but they had to pit stop in like the first couple laps because yes. both drivers got front wing damage. Yes, that is true. Uh, Piastri had, it was in essence, a um, rework of what happened with Nico Hulkenberg during the first race where he got damaged in the first uh, lap and then just freewheeled backwards from there. Never really recovered, even though they had a safety car. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that safety car? Because in my opinion, it should not have been a full. Yeah, I think that was a technical error that... Um... There's a sensor saying that the car was on track, even though it's obviously not. Mm. So they're just being on the safe side. Um, it definitely didn't require a full safety car at all, nope. virtual at the, at the least. But even even that seemed a little ridiculous because he was totally off the track and did a good job of getting out of the way of other cars. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a double wave yellows would have been just fine. Mm. I don't think I didn't think it needed any form of a safety car. I think. The reason they threw out a safety car was okay. Yeah, it might make this probably make the race more a little bit more interesting. But yeah, no, I, it, I mean, um, I mean, still building on the whole FIA decisions. Like, I feel like this year already in the first two races we've seen um, them being really uh, strict about the rules. I mean, Esteban Ocon first race outside of the um, grid slot, and then having the um not proper pit stop 
Then we had the same thing for Alonzo today, which that's a roller coaster in itself. Um, but you guys. I mean, if you're to bring that up, we might as well just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but first, um, do you guys think that the FIA are being a little bit too strict on the rules now that Michael Massey's gone? Or I guess, do you prefer it this way compared to what he was doing? I, I prefer, I think- like, an unbiased approach to it, even if it might be a little too strict. I think they have to. They have to go with the strict. After 2021, yeah. uh, Abu Dhabi in particular, I think they have to I have to go for it. Like, if if they don't enforce it, then it's just like, uh, well, you know, you know, I, I, I can see Mercedes jumping on it. Ferrari will jump on it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, ha- they definitely have to uh, follow the rules. Yes, it's it can be tedious, but I think it's something that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess jumping backward a little bit, Fernando Alonso. Um, I don't know if you get. Well, actually, you guys brought, both know what happened, but uh, finishes on the podium. Um, had a five or did not serve his five second time penalty correctly, so he got taken away because um, he got ten seconds added to his race time. So George got put on the podium. And then Aston Martin put in their appeal, and then the 10 seconds got taken away, so he got put back on the podium. Um, I guess in their appeal paper, like they showed different angles of the rear jack not really touching or something along the lines of that. I'm not 100% sure on it, but um, I mean, it went through, so we had the same three people on the podium as the first race. Uh, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about that, like just having the same three drivers on the podium? That's just yeah, regular F one business, you know. You just get three drivers, they get into a groove and it just kinda happens. But I would like to say that, you know, Fernando took the the penalty very well. Um obviously he knew they were they're putting in an appeal, but what he said to the press was like very impressive to me because I was kinda like, Whoa, I thought he would be so upset about this penalty going through. And he actually wasn't. He was just like, you know, it's just three extra points. I already got to celebrate on the podium. Like, no big deal to me, you know, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Um, yeah. Wait, you got to give Jakob. Yeah. Jakob has a. I think, I think he's just, I think, first of all, Verstappen Perez Alonso is just a new uh, Hamilton Verstappen Bottas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the new, it's the new trio. And I also think, uh, I think Alonso is just enjoying life. Like, he's got a good car. Mm-hmm. He's driving well. Like, well, for 41, he's driving well. Yeah. He knows he's, be- he's he's got the title, best of the rest. So yes. um, he's enjoying it. And um, I think it also gives him a particular satisfaction that he's got a better car than Lewis Hamilton for the first time in his career. So, yeah. Um, but I think he's just enjoying life. It was I was surprised he had the reaction that he did. Usually he's on the radio or in the media yelling about it and being a solo loser. But you know, good for him to sort of give out a pleasant response for once yeah he's yeah. really happy in that aston martin like the first race he's got some of the best radio messages uh driving by carlos signs for third he's like bye bye and then um like he's got some really weird ones too like um at the end of bahrain he just like lance is my hero <laughs> i'm not sure what that was about but then in this race um they were like yeah fernando we have a five second time penalty for not being in the grid slot properly he's like okay i just kept driving and it's like he's just taking it all like in stride uh like Jakob said he just seems like he's having a blast um but yeah so uh 
on the other two people on the podium, obviously we saw Max do an insane charge to the field, uh, but everybody is expecting it, and nobody wants to take that battle because uh, there's not really much of a battle to be had. The Red Bull is just better than all the other cars on the grid. Um, but Checo, driving it like a champ. Um, I mean, he lost first place and then got it back and then never looked back, even after the safety car. I mean, do you guys just think it's like Sergio Perez being the master of street circuits that he is, or maybe Max is struggling a little bit out there? I think it was definitely harder than everyone anticipated to get through the field, even though they kind of were anticipating it, but it definitely was more of a struggle for them with the DRS train and stuff, um, trains that formed. Um, but, you know, okay, I was listening to commentary, and Nico Rosberg just couldn't help himself. He was like, you know, Sergio, he's like, a good driver on street circuits and all, but his reaction time for the start is bad and it's just going to mess up his whole race. And I was like, dude, Nico Rosberg is such a downer on everyone. <laughs> he is. It's like he retired and got out of the game, but now he just critiques everyone so harshly. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't have the best start, but he definitely came back and, and did a solid drive to, you know, not even give Max a chance, not even a sniff at a win, you know? So it was great. I disagree with that. I think Max could have taken the win. I think. No, he was, Checo was like, I am matching Max's pace. There's no way I'm going down, even getting him close. Yeah. It could have been team sabotage, but Checo was not. No, Red Bull clearly tried to sabotage it. You can do 33-0 and Max is going to do a 32-6. So, it's going to come catch up to you real quick that way. Yeah, yeah. So I think Max could have, yeah. on pure pace, Max could have probably caught up. I think had he, there were more, more laps and with, if you, I think with offset strategy, I think Max might have been able to catch up. I think the technical issue that he had with the, with well, that he was complaining about with the noise that he was hearing from his engine uh, sort of hindered that for a bit because I think he, sort of toned down the laps, but uh, turned down lap time, but I yeah. think I think we were sort of robbed from a particularly awkward position for our Christian Horner to be in, and it was kind of sad, but, you know. Um, I can't say I would agree with that. I think Checo, this is probably one of the tracks that he, like, I'd say this is one of the few tracks that he probably could consistently beat Max on, because, like, even with Max driving with the issue, um, there, I mean, it's not like Max was slowing down. He was still keeping in the same lap times. And, I mean, Checo was just, like, driving a free race. Uh, okay, but, the like, let's say one. let's say Max yeah. started P1, he would have won for sure. No, I can't say that. Let's say Max started P2, he would have won for I sure. I still can't say that. I can, I can say I can, that. I can confidently agree with Claire that if Max had started P1 and P2, Red Bull, Red Bull if he would, either he wins on pure pace or Red Bull manufactures a way for Max to win. I can see Red Bull manufacturing a way for him to win, but I mean, we saw throughout the entire race today that Checo is matching Max like lap for lap. So in the in the case where they're matching lap for lap like they did today, they probably would have implemented team orders. But like, let's say Checo just starts pull and manages to keep it, I really doubt that Max would just like run away with it because Checo was clearly like definitely faster today. And I mean, he showed it. Uh, like they tried slowing him down because he was going so fast. So I can't say that I can hundred percent like I can't hundred percent say that Max was faster or that he would have won. 
And the fact of the matter is that Checo did win, so I'm happy today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, good day for me. Um, but outside of that, uh, George on Team Radio uh, trying to get political with the team to hold his position over Lewis. <laughs> Jakob. <laughs> I mean, you play the game. It is a game of F1 where you have to try and get... Uh, you do whatever you can to hold your position. Um, mm. Eventually, he showed he had the pace to uh, finish uh, finish ahead of Lewis. So, um, you know, I think it is what it is. He had he did what he could, but yeah, at, it, he, he finished ahead of Lewis. So he should be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if he had, I don't think that radio message was necessary because if he had the pace, he sh- he should have just pushed, like keep pushing, and you'll get ahead. He finished ahead of Lewis by a couple of seconds at least. So it was four. Uh, yeah, four seconds. So I think the radio message was necessary, but it is part of the game of Formula One. So mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this is just this is just speculatory. But do you think that he he made that up? Like, because I feel like he would have known that Alonso served his penalty already. Because everyone came into the pits. Do you think that was like a part of the game? The message or no? Um, Do you think usually, he really didn't know? Usually people don't serve their uh, time penalties under safety car. Um, and oh, okay. It's a very rare situation to have. Uh, so most teams probably didn't know whether or not he served it. Uh, and obviously like from the message, they literally told him on the spot, like, hey, by the way, he did serve it. Um, but I also think it was kind of pointless for uh, Mercedes to try getting Lewis past him in any method because the medium tire was going to fall off. And then we saw it towards the latter part of it, like last 10 laps, both Lando and um, Lewis, who were on the medium tire, started to fall off drastically compared to everybody in the hard tire. Because, I mean, I mean, the tire is just degrading more than uh, the hard tire runners. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, uh, like the Ferraris weren't catching Lewis by any measure. No, of, not at all. Um, so and I think they could have manufactured a I think in a hypothetical situation, at least give maybe give Lewis a chance to go for P three. What was it? And then see what happens. But (laughs) there's no way. Yeah, see, do for a couple laps. See like what they did in Russia a couple years ago. No, Mm. no, Hungary a couple years ago with uh, with Valtteri. So, I mean, but like I was fine with it. It isn't like it didn't really make a difference to my life. So, Um, on the topic of Ferraris, I mean, there's not much to talk about with them. It's just. Carlos freewheeled back a couple of places, didn't really have a stellar race. Charles went up a few places, but again, didn't really have a stellar race. It's just kind of like, it feels like they are the fourth best team right now. Like, they're not better than Mercedes. They're not better than Aston Martin. And they're definitely not better than Red Bull. And it's like, what's going on over at Ferrari? Because Charles showed he had pace on the soft tire, but that's because everybody else is on a harder compound. And after he got on the same compound as everybody, it's like, well, what the heck is there to talk about? And he's talking about, like, you know, it sucks being behind your teammate. But then you start going backwards. I think he ended out, like, three and a half seconds behind Carlos at the end of the race. And it's like, okay, well, don't complain about it if you're not actually going to push to pass him. I think, um, I think, I mean, listen, it's a win for Ferrari because they didn't, like, they didn't screw up strategy. They didn't have a DNF. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they're probably the fourth best team i think um i don't know i think charles probably lost motivation halfway through that race and was just like ah well i'm just gonna drive around and see what happens (laughs) um so i don't know i think i think 
it's interesting to see that how they've like they've taken a lot I, everyone says mercedes took a step back this year in terms of that pace but ferrari definitely looked like they've taken a step back because mercedes is like uh mercedes might have a slow car but they executed a strategy and managed to hold them off to perfection and ferrari just couldn't get anywhere i mean sure maybe they weren't pushing but they couldn't get any close they couldn't like push to overtake so yeah it just seems uh, like i think that they're tied probably for mercedes with third best team probably inching closer to fourth right now mm-hmm. they obviously still have they, they obviously still have qualifying pace you know charles qualified p2 realistically would have been p3 if max had his shot in q3 mm-hmm. um so you know same old ferrari good good qualifying Charles and then you know the race pace just wasn't there at all the strategy they didn't really pull anything extraordinary at all they didn't mess anything up like Jakob said good points because you know they needed it uh, with Charles's DNF last race so just a run of the mill race for them not what they wanted but they needed the points so what more could they do not sure. I was honestly disappointed by Carlos's performance. Kind of all weekend, yeah. he's just been in a funk. Like, just like, he's there, but he's not doing anything special. Yeah, I mean, he's there to score points. Um, I just, I, it's just Ferrari. I'm not impressed by their performance at all. Uh, and I wouldn't chalk it up just, just Carlos. It's like, Mercedes has been faster on race pace since the start of the regulation period. Um their qualifying maybe hasn't been as good, but this year their qualifying is better. George is making the Mercedes look fantastic in qualifying. Um, and the Ferraris, it's just like they're settling into this. Like The reason I say fourth place is because like, you see over time, as long as nothing stupid happens, then Mercedes is clearly right there with them, if not ahead of them. And like as long as they put themselves in a place, Mercedes put themselves in a place to start in front of the the Ferraris, they don't have a problem with them. Um, and so it's just like Ferrari right now is extremely underwhelming compared to how they were last year. Like I feel like last year they were a lot more competitive, and this year they're so much more concerned with the reliability problems because everybody thought they would be going away um, at the start of this year because they're like you know new team principal, new philosophy in the team hopefully, and then they still have the same problem except it happens in the first race of the season rather than the fourth or fifth or sixth. Um, but outside of Ferrari, uh, the next two people in line were the Alpines finishing P8, P9, uh, Pierre Gasly, Espan Akan, uh, finally showing the pace of the Alpine. Uh, how do you guys feel about their performance today? That was good. I mean, they were mostly, if I remember correctly, fighting mostly with themselves and maybe the Haas, one of the Haases, no, nope. with Alpines, with the Alphataris. No, who do they, who do they fight? I don't oh, even know. Really, it was really just like us. They were just them themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the pinks duking it out with each other. <laughs> I mean, this this really does cement your philosophy that they're like kind of the same drivers. You know, they, they're just midfield drivers, it seems, with the car. Yeah. Glad that they actually got some points this time out and both of them finished. Yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, where else they they were they weren't going up. So, <laughs> but they definitely weren't going down. Yeah, they uh, they held out Magnussen and Sonoda and Hulkenberg. So, and both Alfa Romeos, but both both Alfa Romeos were sort of not in contention for any points. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it was a solid race for them. Uh, mm-hmm. 
can't can't sort of fault them for anything solid race and so i mean uh i expected a little more from them i thought they'd be able to compete with the ferraris and mercedes for higher up but clearly not so yeah um I guess moving down the field, uh, K-Mag managed to put in a points finish today, got that P10, uh, and then Nico Hulkenberg sitting in P12, I think like two seconds back from Yuki. Um, let's talk about that fight between Yuki and K-Mag, because I, I don't think it gets enough attention. Uh, K-Mag showing all of his experience, and Yuki showing off you know, what he's capable of doing in uh, F1. I mean... AlphaTauri were expecting him to take on a much more like leading role, and I mean he has been the front AlphaTauri for both races. But I think putting up the defense that he did for like from lap forty to forty five or forty six or something, like fantastic defense, and came back with a stellar move. I think both of them locked up into t- into turn one, so it was a stellar mm-hmm. move by Kmag. But I think the defense is awesome. Um, and I don't like how do you guys feel about the Haas, and then how do you feel about the AlphaTauris for this race? I feel like the Haas, they were just waiting to show potential a little bit, like right on the cusp there. Um, like Nick DeVries and the Avatar, he had just, he didn't, I didn't really see him doing much except for getting in like a, a four-way fight for one position mm. um, where it kept going back and forth. So, I don't know, a little underwhelmed by both, obviously. But I'm glad that, you know, K-Mag and Yuki could have a respectful fight and... K-Mag came out on, on top and got that, that P10 finish for me. Yeah. Yeah, solid, solid, uh, solid points. I think Sonoda kind of locked into it, I don't think. Because at one point, he was like P6. Um, yeah, after uh, everybody Because of all the pitch talk. Yeah. yeah, so I think he kind of lucked into, lucked into it w- with the with the safety car and sort of the strategy played into his, yep. played into him, into his race, so... It was a, it was a good, uh, good points. Uh, did he score any points? Uh, no, he lost out on the single point to K-Mag. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of expected. You'd expect the house to finish ahead of Sonoda. But, I mean, overall, sort of, I guess he showed sort of that he can uh, go wheel-to-wheel with uh, the teams that he's expected to compete with yeah. and sort of try and out, uh, outrace them. But um, I thought Hulkenberg could have done a better job. Um, I think Magnuson did the best that he could, but Hulkenberg should have done a better job on race pace. Yep. Um, Yuki Tsunoda now has gone two races in P11, both times losing out on the last point by very small margins. Uh, so probably one of the unluckiest cases. Um, in this case, probably one of the luckier times just because the safety guard, he did happen to pit later than everybody, and so it was a good thing for him. So maybe a bit of luck played into his hands, but... Um, maybe holding off the uh, alpines for a little bit longer or maybe if he maybe held out, held out against the alpines a little bit longer and stayed in front of them uh he might have had a chance to actually get that last point but um unfortunate for him um most underwhelming team outside of mclaren um that we were expecting to do well uh was alfa romeo uh they did not show up for yeah. I mean, Zhou Guan Yu P13, Valtteri Bottas P18, and Valtteri Bottas last of the finishers. Uh, just what the heck's going on over there? No idea. I was wondering that myself. Like, Valtteri just kept saying, like, there's something wrong with car. Like, something's not right. It doesn't feel right. He kept He pitted a bunch. Like, he just wasn't making any progress at all. I was so confused. I was like, what? what is going on? Mm-hmm. Any insights, Yakum? Uh, I don't know. I 
have no clue. I think it might have just been not a good track for them. Uh, and also, it just seemed like they had no race pace. Um, they had, it didn't seem like they had pace, any pace all weekend. So, um, you know, it's just probably just one of those weekends where you expect them to do well, but like no pace at all. So, I mean, everyone has those weekends and uh, I think they'll bounce back probably in Australia. I think I'm expecting a good point haul for them for, in Australia, but Australia, but um, maybe it's just the street circuit didn't, didn't fit their car features. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Belter's got to do well on his home race yeah. next <laughs> two weeks. So. Um. But it's just such a wild contrast compared to Bahrain. Bahrain, both of them were pretty competitive. I mean, uh, Valtteri scoring points, um, Joe getting the fastest lap. So it's just kind of wild to see them go from, you know, having a what seemed to be a fast car to uh, not really competing. Um, yeah. Underwhelming team number one is McLaren. <laughs> The question of the century, what is going on at McLaren? I mean, that is the big question. Claire. I don't want to talk about it. 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 I don't know. I have no answers for you. I'm still a big fan. You got to stick with them through the bad. Good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is definitely the bad and the ugly. So we'll see how it turns around. Okay, but um, this isn't maybe uh, one bright side seeing Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris actually get some wheel to wheel action against each other. Yeah, I mean, Piastri showed some good qualifying pace, P8, but then unfortunately he just is a rookie. He gave the, the wrong amount of room in the, in the wrong pinch point and got like it's just, it's just a race accident. I mean, either yeah. like anybody in that situation. I don't think that's a rookie mistake. I think it's just anybody in that situation just gets, yeah, just not a good place. Perhaps to he was being very respectful mm-hmm. um, of whoever was next to him and just paid the price for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pierre. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was nice to see him go wheel to wheel with Lando. Uh, he ended up passing him at the end, Lando on the medium tire, and then uh, he yeah. went wheel to wheel with Logan Sargent and got past him. Um, fun fact, actually, Logan Sargent and Oscar Piastri used to be teammates back when they were in Formula 4 together. Uh, they both cool. played for Carlin, so, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Williams, Logan Sargent, uh, really the only person to talk about. Alex not really getting the chance to race because he had a brake failure, brake failure, which, can we talk about that for a second? The guy says, oh my god, brake failure, brake failure on team radio is right next to the pits and then drives around for another lap that was hard to watch yeah, that, that was a i was i was just like why don't you just pull in yeah and then he pulls in the next it, lap it's, it's alex albon using that big head of his you know? yes <laughs> i'm sure they were just trying to see if they could fix it from uh you know from the pit wall yeah the pit wall to see if there was something they could do about it but obviously not mm-hmm. you know we skipped over the other um, non-finisher Lance Stroll mm-hmm. a little bit like do you guys know what happened to oh, cause him to not finish problem. it was like they're just like yeah you had to stop the car technical problem and like if he kept the car going probably damage the engine some more so the usual procedures I mean not really much to talk about there um, I mean yeah he wasn't going anywhere with it so <laughs> I mean what? I mean he was gonna get some good points yeah he's easily a points finisher there maybe in the middle yeah. of the Mercedes again but like yeah, 
it, nothing you can do about it. It's just a power unit issue. Um, mm -hmm. This is something I do want to talk about, though. Um, power unit issues. Every team is having them. It's the second race of the season. Uh, at the start of the weekend, we already knew Charles was coming in with um, a new battery and a new control electronic. Uh, Carlos Science had a new um, internal combustion engine. Some people changed gearboxes. Do you guys think that this new generation of cars is damaging the engines much faster than they anticipated? And especially with like the second year now, I mean, it's the second race this season, and almost every single team has had one of their two cars swapped apart. Yeah. I, there's something going on where you know it's it's not working out for everyone it is weird to see it be like a whole grid problem mm -hmm. um so there should be something with the the, the technical regulations going on there but i don't have i have not a clue it's not my my specialty at all <laughs> i don't know i think uh well it's not a whole grid problem i think it's more of a um Ferraris and uh, as of right now, Mercedes problem because Red Bull doesn't supply anyone else except AlphaTauri. Yeah. Um, but even so, I mean, but Red Bull's having their own problems. Yeah, Red Bull they had to change Max's gearbox for an older one, and then Nick DeVries had a full engine change, which is why he didn't participate in FP3. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I guess it's a whole great problem, but I don't know if um, uh, I think maybe the cars are just. Uh, engine breakers like yeah. and it, it 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 makes it more interesting i, I don't really have an issue with it because it makes it more interesting because you have 23 races and only what three only three uh combustion engines that you're yeah. allowed to put in two el electrical components and like this is the limit right yeah. and if they're breaking this early you'd expect like all these drivers to take penalties to go right back to the uh, right back to the back of the grid so mm. i kind of like it yeah I, yeah, I don't have an issue with it. It is what it is. Just, uh, you know, maybe there's a fix on... Ferrari all had this, like, big thing about uh, reliability, and we fixed it and all that, but clearly they haven't. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I think I think Mercedes is probably the most reliable engine on the grid right now. <laughs> well, actually, right now, I think I'd say it's probably the Renault engine. They're the only ones who haven't had any problem with their engine at all, and they also don't supply it to anybody else, so that might help a little bit, but... Um, yeah. I mean, every other team besides Alpine is suffering from engine problems, no matter what power unit they're using. So um, there has been talk of them maybe increasing the limit for each part by one, which I think would make for a lot less penalties later in the season, thankfully. Uh, I think we all have problems with um, understanding where people are going to be on the grid after, you know, let's say Spa last year, where like half the grid was taking engine penalties. We're like, okay, yeah. and the qualifying's done. Where exactly is everybody? Um, so what are you guys' thoughts on it? I don't know. It makes for more interesting races later in the season, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. It just You have to just be like, draw a line somewhere. But if everyone needs it, then I guess everyone needs another one. Mm -hmm. So, I, But I honestly kind of like the whole penalty out of order drivers, like with different pacing, if it makes for any kind of fun different mix-up of what's going on because it can get kind of boring up at the top i mean it's going to be boring all year long you could have max hey. in engine every race and he'll probably still end up p1 p2 so mm. I mean, yeah that is <laughs> i mean unless like unless like this new mercedes concept that they're claiming that total claimed yeah. has found like big gains like suddenly decides like this suddenly is able to compete with the likes of red bull 
Mm-hmm. Well, with Red Bull, not the likes of Red Bull, but just Red Bull. So um, mm-hmm. unless it's going to be a real boring race, because real boring season at the front at least, because Aston Martin aren't competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari seem to be going backwards. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's right now we got to hedge our bets on on Mercedes and hopefully they can come up with something yeah. Fa- fast. Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that though, it's just everybody's saying Red Bull's not our battle. So I mean, like, whose battle is it? It's it's just Checo's battle against Max at this point. Yeah, it's just Checo's battle. It's a battle um, he's gonna lose, but it's a battle nonetheless. Okay, so I think we covered all the teams. Um, now there's something that Claire sent me, and I'm kind of curious as to why the distribution is like this. Um, but uh, she sent me a post on where every F1 driver started, um, and I'll throw that on this side. Uh, six of the 14 drivers on the grid started at Williams. Um, and then five of the current drivers on the grid started at AlphaTauri, and four of them started at McLaren. So I guess kind of like, what is it about these three teams? Because, I mean, everybody starts from these teams. Um, what do you think it is about them that really kind of attracts the younger talent, or why do they always hunt for the younger talent? I mean, Williams has to be just because they're not <laughs> top tier competitive right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Williams, AlphaTauri, and McLaren. You, you take Williams as um, sort of um, a Mercedes junior. I think, for yeah. me personally, they're they're Mercedes junior team. Yes. Uh, for the longest time, they were. Valtteri came out of there. Um, George came out of there. Um, so to me, they're a Mercedes junior team. So I think obviously this season they don't. There's no official Mercedes contracted driver driving for them. Yeah. Um, so, but I could see Frederick Besti getting a seat there if he impresses enough mm. um, at some point. Because um, uh, I think James James Vowles uh, was heavily invested in the Mercedes junior driver program. So. Mm. Um, I think Ms. Frederick Besti will get a seat there at some point. Um, and well, Afatari is well, they are a Red yes, Bull's sister uh, junior team. So I mean, Red Bull will probably put teams, put drivers they think are can race in the Red Bull seat in there. Not that they've had great much much success aside from Max, like and Seb. No one else has really turned out of there to be pretty good. Mm. Um, McLaren might be the outlier. I think McLaren, just because of the history that they have with Senna, Prost, um, and Lewis, Jensen, Fernando, I think McLaren have historically turned out good drivers. Maybe maybe um, Daniel uh, being the exception right now. Mm. Um, I think they've always been a sort of good team to drive at this year and last year being the exception. Mm. But um, yeah. I think it, it's a it's a sign of I think the structure at least at Williams and AlphaTauri. I think McLaren has slightly taken a different approach over the last since Zach Brown has taken over at least. Um, so you know I don't I don't fully agree with Zach Brown Zach Brown's approach to McLaren racing and his acquisition of all these young talented drivers and won't give you know with the promise of an F1 seat but doesn't give it to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I have like a really hot takes. For me, it's like 
it's like as long as Zach Brown is in charge of McLaren, McLaren aren't going anywhere. <laughs> I think I can see them going straight backwards. So um, that's what you're saying yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think he. I just don't think he's like. Yes, he's not the team principal, but he has a. He's heavily invested in in McLaren's F1 team. I just don't see how he how you he stacks up against Toto Christian, even Frederick Vastor. Like for all that for all that uh, shit we give Ferrari, Frederick Vastor is still a very good team yeah. principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think McLaren are going too far with him in as team principal. Well, or is he? Yeah. Uh, I feel like yeah, isn't cool. Frederick Vasseur like cleaning house? No, he actually no. is making a strict policy not to. Um, uh, during the his first interview in the first week with Ferrari, he's like, I don't actually plan on cutting people out or doing anything with the personnel here because I think they've done a great job. Um, he's actually taking a very observant role on everything that's going on. I don't think he's cut out a single person so far outside of the uh, strategy, uh, the yeah, strategic yeah. advisor, and that's. That wasn't even him that did that, which I mean, deservedly okay. so. Um, so he's doing, I think right now he's take, taking a very hands-off approach to everything. He's not implementing team orders. I mean, Charles tried to get team orders implemented today. Not going to work. Uh, he's not implementing mm-hmm. team order. He's not changing anything right now. He's just trying to see where everything's going. And I mean, when he went to Sauber um, back when, um, I mean, Alfa Romeo, uh, back when they weren't good, I mean, he did a really good job at, you know, taking his time with the team making them a pretty decent team to drive for i mean you have drivers like um joe guan yu um charlotte claire who, who came from them uh mm-hmm. and i don't know if he was a team principal at the time when they were still um just sober but also if he was then he also was the one who brought in sergio perez to the team um mm-hmm. which i mean huge insight but uh, i think he's a really good team principal uh I think Zach Brown might be too invested in the team. I don't mind him as a CEO. He's very marketing oriented and he's got drivers behind him that will definitely increase the overall value of McLaren. I think the one problem is like they need to find a team principal that will be much more um, advancement oriented than what they had. Not that Andrea Stella did a bad, not Stella, but um, Seidel did a bad thing. But uh, I just think they need to find a team principal that will advance the team forward because right now it doesn't seem like they have that, and they need to find one that Zach Brown is more than okay with, like kind of taking a hands-off approach to it. And he has other responsibilities yeah. too. Like he has a Formula E team, he has an IndyCar team, he has a lot of other things he's watching over, uh, but he yeah. seems mostly invested in his F1 team. Yeah, you, do you ever see him like anywhere else aside from the I've F1 paddock? The, like, I've seen him at the Formula E races. <laughs> yeah, but like eighty percent of his he's he's at a good. If he's this season is twenty three, I can see him being at least eighteen or nineteen races. Oh, yeah. He's gonna be there for all the American races. He'll probably he'll be there for all the big money races yes. and a mm-hmm. couple others. Uh, so yeah, I just I think they need someone like strong, like someone who can uh, actually. Someone like Toto Christian, who are like cutthroat, reliable, will do what it takes to win. Andre, I'm not saying Andreas Seidel didn't take it, and I, I don't know if Andrea Stella has it in him, but they need someone who's like independent, who will sort of make someone who will just like force that team forward because they're going to lose Lando Norris at this pace. Yes. Um, so here's a curious question, and Claire, you're going to hate this, but 
How would you guys feel if Otmar Zafnar, Otmar Zafnar went from Alpine to McLaren? <laughs> I mean, I don't see him. Yeah. It's not going to happen, Go on. but how would you feel about it? Like, do you think it'd be better than, you know, Stellar Seidel? Yeah, I think it'd be. <laughs> you can, I mean, you can fault him for any, you can fault him for a lot of things, yes. but you can't fault him for taking a team forward. He's taken out team forward. He took Aston Martin forward. So, uh, and then, you know, he was racing point and force India. I mean, I don't think he was team principal of force India, but racing point were a solid midfield team when he was in charge. So, um, you can, yes, he's, he's a bit of an, uh, he's a bit arrogant and a little less and not, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but um, I think he'd he'd if he were to go there, I'd I could see McLaren taking big steps. I could see him easily getting rid of James Key and getting someone else in to design this car because <laughs> clearly James Key has not done a good job. Yeah. Um, okay. Another thing that um, Claire's been uh, Claire sent me a thing about is, and I think they talked about it in uh, free practice one as well, which mind you. I don't know how many people were actually how many people actually watch free practice, but free practice one and two were actually like mega exciting. Like watching people trade the fastest laps over and over and over again while doing soft tire running, and it wasn't like qualifying pace running. It was actually just like literally soft tire running. It was freaking awesome. Um, but they were also talking about this, and Claire sent me a picture of Lando on a bike. But people aren't allowed to use bikes around the um, track walk anymore. Yeah, I mean. Is it just because Lance Stroll fell off a bike? <laughs> no, no. It's because there's too many like electronic bikes and scooters and it's just getting really cluttered and mm. um I mean I think they were even like this weekend filming a music video for Will I Am and I don't know. There's just like a lot going on now at these tracks with different uh, like people buzzing around and so I think they're just like hard lined. You just got to walk it. It's got to be a track walk. And it's it's, it's going to be a problem because these some of these drivers are like, no, I don't want to walk it. They're, I'll just watch a video or something and get the same experience. But they really like their bikes and their scooters. And so. Yeah. Could you imagine the entire, like the F1, like the drivers with their teams while doing a track walk of spa? Like, oh, my God. No one's doing a track so walk of <laughs> No one's doing a track walk. Take forever. Just, track walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like an unless It just seems like the FIA doesn't really have a lot to do right now. So they're yeah. just like, all right, we're going to, you know, ban stupid things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it, it reminds me, it's like the same thing of like coming after Hamilton for wearing jewelry. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, we don't have a lot to do. So we're just going to go after the silly things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, here's a curious thing. Um, I know you said you like to have the unbiased and like more strict rules rather than the, you know, excitement and everything. Um, but do you guys think that now that, you know, racing is a little less exciting when it comes to, you know, the external things and a little bit more like boring because of how strict they are, do you think that like makes an impact on them? Like how, like what the, like the FIA's outlook on things? Because outside of the, like, let's go back to when Michael Massey was the director. There wasn't much that was going on outside of the racing. There was, like, you know, whenever there would be a good race, they would always have, like, you know, they would make a call on it. But they would keep the race going. 
whether it was Abu Dhabi, whether it was Monza 2021, Monza 2020, even Hungary 2021, like all these great races. Uh, and you have, you know, easily some of the most exciting ones, not much being called outside of it. But now that FIA are like super strict during race, they have so much free time to do stuff outside of the race. And it's like, do you guys think that maybe now that it's a bit more strict and people are a bit more like, I don't know, zombie, like following the rules that maybe the FIA are kind of like, well, what do we do now type of deal? Because now they're doing stupid stuff. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if the FIA don't have a lot to do. I think they're just sort of cracking down on everything. Because <laughs> I think after after Abu Dhabi 2021, you sort of, you know, you. I don't think they want like any possible way that like fans can attack them or team principals, drivers, blah, blah, blah. So I think they're just sort of cracking down on whatever they can. And yes, some of them, some of it is silly and some of it is kind of stupid, but I think it's a good thing in some ways. And yes, it's, it, it looks as if they're bored and don't really have a lot to do, but I think it's a good thing. I feel like, yeah, even though that the, the two-wheel man is like silly, I feel like they, they could have just made it like just just you can only you, you can use bikes you can't use like electronic stuff or things like that they could have done it in a little better way than just wiping out all yeah you know two wheel okay. things you or whatever imagine toto not going around on a scooter no you can still do you can still go around on a scooter you just no, can't well, do like, it on toto the truck an electric scooter like going around yeah it's like dude i mean toto on a scooter is a great sight and also, like, Seb used to go around on an electric scooter and, like, be right next to Mick, who was on an electric bike. And it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. now you can't do these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the FIA just hammering down on things that, like, so many external things and, like, really trying to focus on the race. And then when you get to the race, they're, like, hammering down on the fun parts of the race. I think also it's also a factor that in 2021, they had so much to deal with in on the racetrack <laughs> yeah, <they> <laughs> yeah. They had it was just max lewis max lewis max lewis toto christian toto christian toto christian <laughs> that it was just like i think you know they had like so much to deal with on track that all this off track stuff seemed irrelevant and now like 2022 and 2023 like it, it's been relatively you know calmer periods of racing it's been more respectful racing to an extent uh that i think it's given them the opportunity to go and crack down the silly things. Yeah. So. I mean, but like, let's look at this from, just from a pure excitement point of view. Like, obviously, Formula One has more viewers than it's ever had, and that's thanks to the 2021 season. But like, the 2021 season was probably the most exciting season we've had in a while. When yeah, but that, it was so decisive. Yes. Because, and I don't know if I like Abu that. Dhabi. Like, just the races throughout 2021, you had so many spectacular races. You had uh, Sochi, great race. Hungary, great race. Monza, great race. Silverstone, great race. Zandvoort was a great... Like, the entire season was full of just fantastic races. And, like, so much excitement going into it all the way down to the very last lap. And, like, I feel like that was so much more exciting than what we're getting now. What we're getting now is just, like, you know... It feels sure, like but it, you have like a race that winner, whole 2021 the season, the integrity of the sport was called into question. Yeah. So it's like, I love the sport so much. I don't care if it's not as exciting. Mm-hmm. I guess if it's on like the other side, on like, the right way, well, right? 
uh, now rather than questioning the integrity of the sport, we're questioning the integrity of the overarching rule makers. Because now you're banning whether or not a driver can speak their mind during a race. And I don't know what's worse between, you know... Well, they're not really doing that. You Drivers can't make political statements during race weekends. Have you seen Lewis go around, you know, with an LGBTQ shirt on now? No, I'm not sure. You haven't because he can't. And you can't, You haven't seen people walk around with Black Lives Matter shirts on, things like that. Drivers don't have a political opinion on race weekends anymore. And it might help help F1 in general because especially in places like Saudi Arabia, like, you know, all these other countries where those things aren't, you know, morally accepted. Like, yeah, it might help in that case. But in other cases, like, these, this, these, these drivers are using their platforms for good. And so now, rather than, you know, focusing on the integrity of the excitement of the races, I guess you could say, now we're focusing on how can we trim out what the drivers can and can't do. And in my opinion, I'd rather I mean, have the more excitement in it. I mean, but I think historically speaking, um, not too many drivers make political statements anyways. So, like, you have only Lewis, Seb, and Lando to an extent. Everyone else just sort of did it in solidarity. And now that Seb's gone, you only have Lewis, realistically. Mm-hmm. And every, I don't think every other driver, like, if you look at most drivers, like, for example, Max. Max has always, like, maintained the stance that I don't feel like uh, I need to make political statements in F1. I'm here to race and go home. and I don't want anything. I don't want to do anything else. And that's living in a bubble. Yes. But it is what it is. That's that's his choice. You respect that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's. I don't know if it's an. I don't know if it's an attack on. I think it's just an attack on. I mean, as a Lewis Hamilton fan, yeah. one would think it's an attack on Lewis. But if I mean, it it seems like an attack on Lewis. So yeah. um, you know, with the jewelry thing, with this, so. I mean, I don't know how this... I think it definitely affects viewership because I think last weekend, Bahrain, the Bahrain season opener, I was reading a couple of days ago that there was like a huge dip, like not a huge dip, but like a considerable dip in US viewership uh, in terms of viewing figures. So, um, I mean, I think the FIA, like, I think they're trying to impose their own, not their own, but their president's personal brand of politics on the drivers to see mm-hmm. what happens. And I think if it continues, uh, you know, I think Liberty Media and Formula One as a company will definitely step in at some point. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's no secret that Liberty and uh, at the FIA have been at odds over oh, yeah, a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, so F1 or uh, the FIA tried to sell like the viewing rights to some massive Middle Eastern um, streaming company and like without any approval for anyone so i was like okay well clearly you guys aren't on the same page here but um yeah i was just curious about your guys thoughts on the faa because i mean it's not as fun to watch the races anymore compared to you know 2020 2021 um and maybe that's also due to the new regulations the cars are definitively faster um and the racing can be more exciting but once i mean now we're at this year where you know, you have the two cars out front, uh, very reminiscent of Mercedes, and you have the rest of the field competing for scraps. What isn't it? Like that—that's basically what it is. Um, and like you said, Jakob, it's just Valtteri Lewis, Max all over again, but with different people on the podium this time. Yeah, but I think that's also how like 
F1 works. It's just like cycles of dominance. You had Ferrari, you had Mercedes. Now you have, well, I don't know if it's dominant so far, but you know, you have Red Bull starting. Oh, um, you can say it. <laughs> a, re- a resurgence of Red Bull dominance. So um, that's just how F1 operates. And I think eventually, I think I would not be surprised if some team principal or some driver during the, during the season says, you need to change the regs because this is kind of ridiculous. Christian Horner said it back in 2016. Or I saw a tweet that Christian Horner begged or pleaded with the FIA to change the regulations to stop the Mercedes dominance. And they so, did. Um, I mean, 2017, they did introduce yeah. some small regulation changes, but nothing serious. Yeah, and they did it again in 2021. So, you know, it's... Um, uh, I think whether or not they introduce regulations to slow down Red Bull is a different issue, but I think someone at some point will say something. So yeah. it is what it is. It's just cycles of Formula One. Uh, that's how that's how Formula One has worked historically, and yeah. it'll probably continue that way for a while. So you Do just you guys, gotta. I don't know how much you guys know about the years of like 2000, let's say 2007 all the way to 2013, but like probably some of the most exciting times for Formula One. The regulations were pretty balanced, so there was a lot of teams that got to compete. Uh, 2007, Kimi Raikkonen won in a very bad Ferrari um, against Lewis <laughs> and Fernando, who couldn't figure out who was the better driver. And then 2008, Lewis won in a very contested field. And then 2009, Jensen Button won in a very contested field. And then 2010 through 2013, Seb won. But every year that Seb won outside of 2013 were pretty highly contested years, especially 2012. Um, there is a documentary, I think you can just actually find that on YouTube, it's like 44 minutes long, about how good the 2012 season was. Uh, highly yeah. recommend watching it because that was one of the high, like the best seasons of Formula 1 ever. Um, but like all those years were really good because the regulations were pretty flat out even for everybody. You saw some of the strangest cars on the grid and you got to see some of the tightest racing. And we had from 2007 to 2010, I think five different world champions, which is super cool to see compared to now where it's like, Hey, Lewis won two and then four in a row with Nico in the middle. And now Max was one and two in a row. And then before that Seb won four in a row. So I was like, I do like these small periods where there's not as much uh, dominance by one team. Makes it a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I have for you guys. <laughs> um, we are. Are we gonna are gonna say who the what the predictions? Uh, I can't. Scoring is. <laughs> no, you can't. I, you I'll didn't do it, that. I'll put it in the description. I've been busy. I'll put it in the description who got the most points. Claire's excited because she got five points on the day. I think it turned out to only be four now because of Fernando being reversed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Claire's got okay. four on the day. Um, so nice. I mean, you got three last week and you got four this one. Or four, uh, three, four, three two weeks ago and you got four mm-hmm. today. So huge. Uh, Jeremy, we're not giving any points to since he didn't make predictions. I would have given him one of Max one, just because knowing him, he probably would have said Max wins, um, but he didn't. So Jeremy is zeroed out for this one, uh, and I'll leave in the description who, what the other points were. Um, <laughs> if you guys stayed till the end of the race, um, <laughs> to the end of the sorry, video. Sorry, to the end of the video. Wow, <laughs> weird. Yeah, if you guys stick to the end of the video, um, let me know what your favorite year of uh, Formula One was, whether you were there to watch it or not. Um, And until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Claire. I'm Jakob.
do it. And it's lights out and away we go. 